0: Hello, you are listening to One Broken Mom, a podcast dedicated to raising awareness about mental health, parenting, and self-improvement. I'm the host, Ami Purikoni. One Broken Mom is not a family show. It is intended for adults only and may contain adult language. Sometimes the topics are serious, but you can count on the episodes to be entertaining and occasionally also inspirational. Also, One Broken Mom is not offering any psychiatric or medical diagnosis. We're just here giving away some useful information. So if you're ready to hear real talk by real people so that we can all get better together, then you're in the right place and welcome. One of the features of One Broken Mom is to talk about the kinds of broken moms who are out there so that we can get an understanding of what influence that they'll have over their children and how their behaviors can Can be damaging. And the reason I do this is not finger pointing or shaming, but I'm hoping that the listeners, um, you out there, might be able to recognize yourself in one of these discussions and that it could help you develop a greater understanding of maybe what's going on in your own life. Plus, I, I really do believe it's important to listen and to be self reflective, but not self critical. Enough so that you can determine that maybe if you've been doing and carrying forward with your own children some of these destructive behaviors so that you can stop. And so this is a process of self-improvement because you're a human as well as improving your parenting and the life that you are generating for your children. So today I have with me Michelle Piper, and she's a San Diego-based psychotherapist who specializes in working with survivors of narcissistic abuse and has a powerful website called narcissisticmother.com. I discovered Michelle many months ago while researching the topic of narcissism through my own healing process, and I subscribed to her blog. And when you're an adult who's attracted to the charisma and the charm of narcissistic people, there is a reason for it, and sometimes it's because those people bear some familiarity with our parents. And so, Michelle, I am honored to have you on the show with me today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Awesome. And so I want to start off, uh, tell everybody, how did you get into the practice of providing treatment and help for adults of narcissistic parents?
1: I think uh, probably the way a lot of people get exposed to this topic, you start working with it or getting exposed to it before you realize what it is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've been practicing for over 20 years, and... About fifteen years ago or five years ago, I started a blog um, so that 's fifteen years into a practice where you start to realize you 're repeating yourself a lot to people <laughs> and saying, "Do you think maybe you had a narcissist you know that raised you or you know there was somebody in the narcissistic spectrum around you and um, the exciting thing about it was once we had language around it. Uh, we were able to identify the behaviors that um, are pretty typical and and patterned in family systems where there's a narcissist. Mm-hmm. And so Narcissistic Mother ended up being a, um, a blog that I wrote because that way we could start addressing the most common thing I was seeing in practice, which was people were so angry um, or frustrated or anxious about uh, their lives and sometimes the patterns that they kept repeating, but they didn't realize where they had started. And often it starts, of course, in the caregivers we've been exposed to. And in our culture, that's often
0: predominantly the mother. Mm hmm. Yep. Yep, and I, and I, and that was one of the reasons I ended up landing on you was through that journey of like, hey, I seem to be making the same stupid mistakes over and over again, and I don't want to do this anymore. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna stop. Um, why is it important then um, to find out and and to try to understand if you had a narcissistic mother?
1: I believe it's important to understand it because if you don't realize why or. If you don't understand what formed your behaviors, then it's very hard to respond to them. So it gives you kind of a superpower. It accelerates your ability to respond to habits in your life that are self-destructive. So the main thing I say to people is knowing about the narcissistic family system and a narcissistic mother is empowering Mm -hmm. and not knowing is disempowering Mm -hmm. because in the family system as we grew up, we would have normal responses to boundary violations like anger or anxiety or discomfort. And if we express them, we would get in trouble or scapegoated or uh, shut off from the caregiver. Mm -hmm. So in the case of a narcissistic mother, the child might be angry that mom is forcing them always to have a short haircut when there's no need to do it. Mm -hmm. And the, Uh, the daughter or son might always be asking why they can't be more of an individual. And that reaction is not a discussion by the mother. It is shaming or shunning or uh, pitting the siblings against each other to tease each other. It isn't uh, a respectful conversation about the why behind these decisions yeah. And so what happens is when people as adults feel anger, anxiety and negative feelings as a proper response to how their boss treated them or their sibling or their partner, um, they then turn that energy on themselves like that they are wrong. Mm-hmm. And instead, they need to learn uh, appropriate ways to express that anger or discomfort so that they can assert boundaries
0: yeah yeah and and actually actually i mean you hit it right on the head because that was one of the things that I discovered in my professional life was you know i'm a you know I like to think of myself as a smart woman i'm you know well educated and you know I've had some success but man I had some triggers every once in a while and it it did it just kind of like boiled up these feelings inside of me of not being listened to and or not being trusted or you know and it's and, yes, the, and, and you know, have, right?
1: <laughs> when you have those strong reactions, you know um, that are bigger than the moment, mm-hmm. and it's always historical. Yeah. So one of my mentors said, "Hysterical always means historical." When you have this <laughs> strong response that's beyond the experience. You bet it's in that childhood, yeah, or previous experience. But most often, you can find it um, pre eighteen.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, and I when we talk about narcissism, you know, there's all these profiles that most people think of and, you know, I a narcissistic mom isn't Joan Crawford in Mommy Dearest or Lucille Bluth from Arrested Development who you know, people think of them as arrogant, affluent, you know, self-involved manipulators. Some narcissistic moms can actually appear to be the opposite, you know, a covert narcissist, which is a word. So what truly defines the narcissistic mother?
1: I think the easiest definition for this is to say that if somebody, if the mom feels like crap and she feels justified to make somebody else around her feel like crap because she feels like crap, that's narcissism.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Late. <laughs> but you know that's what it boils down to if I don't feel you know happy if I don't feel good then it's justified for me to treat you as less than
0: yeah yeah and um, and I know sometimes you know just through experience too is you know they can appear to be like they're trying to be super helpful but it's I've seen I've seen folks you know affected by this where their autonomy is just completely stripped from them and so they just they they suddenly start they don't have any say you know the whether um you know mom is coming in to try to sweep up all the problems or um you know because they believe they just know best um, and so it's just it's one of those definitely challenging personalities um you know you focus on narcissistic mom obviously you have a website called narcissistic mother um what's the difference between narcissistic mom than a narcissistic dad.
1: You know, in our culture, we spend most of our time um, with our moms or and or we have the expectation that they are supposed to fill a caregiving role unique to any other. And so, of course, there are people that take on that role that aren't the typical female mom, you know, but... We have expectations that this person is our caregiver and is our most trusted person on the planet. And we crave being loved by that person unconditionally. So the power that a mom has is unparalleled. Now, when we say, well, what's worse, narcissistic mom or narcissistic dad, um, that is like saying, well, you know, do you want a brain tumor or heart problem? <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. The lesser of two evils, right? Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. So it's, um, why I write narcissistic com is because people are asking about it and desperately want help about it. And, um, and so that's why I've focused so much time on it. And it's also because, Is the covert narcissism really that I find is the most difficult for children of narcissistic mothers to deal with because males tend to express their narcissism more overtly Mm -hmm. and females more covertly. Mm-hmm. And so often um, people have a harder time recognizing that their mother did have narcissistic tendencies or, you know, as severe as a narcissistic personality disorder. And so that's why to me the writing was so important. When I started writing it, I was going through cancer and, you know, you think, well, maybe I'll not be around and it'd be good to leave something behind that shows, you know, a little bit of what I've learned over the years. And I didn't, I've just always Seen the healing power of people being able to to name things. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, so once you name something, it's like you've turned the light on in a dim room and you don't have to be afraid of every shadow. Um, It's also so helpful then to know how to respond and to start to identify the behaviors because the light comes on and then you can identify each thing as, oh, this is actually a predictable pattern and behavior that I can now develop a better response to because in the past, most of my, uh, my responses have sucked. <laughs> so right. you look back and you're like, wow, <laughs> Lucy and the ball, you know, with Charlie Brown. It's like, yeah. why? i keep falling for that. And so, It's so nice to have identifiable patterns that you can respond to. And another thing I always caution people is don't go and use these labels at home. (laughs) It's going to make everybody mad and it it isn't helpful. It makes, puts people in defensive space. What's always best is to identify the behaviors you find troubling, the response you'd rather have to it, and then give that person a chance to respond that way. And unfortunately a narcissistic mom is often going to fail and, Mm -hmm. um, You know, to the extent that they can change or learn, they will. And to the extent that they can't, you will need psychological distance and sometimes even physical distance from that person to be your best self and to be your best self for your children and your significant other. Right, right.
0: Now, narcissistic mothers tend to project roles onto their kids. Um, you know, uh, I, I, and, and I know that for me, sometimes I, I change the role would change depending on, you know, the age, the circumstances and yes. like that. But you've identified some common roles that children with narcissistic parents tend to have kind of like dumped on top of them. Um, would you mind sharing that with everyone so that they might again, understand more about this dynamic in this type of a family? Sure. And you know, this goes right
1: down to that nice predictable pattern thing where you, if you can start identifying the roles that you're being put in even as an adult child, you know, when you go home for Thanksgiving or whatever, no. it's helpful. It helps you have a kind of a sense of comedic detachment. Sometimes you're like, okay, I guess I have the scapegoat hat on. So right. <laughs> there's these different roles and um, one is the hero child. And a lot of times we envy this child in the family system or it feels really good when we're in that role because we're seen as kind of the savior for the family or the way someone who, makes the family look good, or we're somebody who's solving the problems for mom mm-hmm. and or rescuing a sibling. And so this person is falsely empowered because they're under 18 and they're being put into an adult role.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so this can also create narcissism in that child or narcissistic tendencies. So um, unfortunately, the hero child may not get to always stay in that role either and they can be dethroned and suddenly become a scapegoat because they've failed in that false empowered role Mm -hmm. um and so the scapegoat is the one that everybody gets to point to and go well we're having problems in this family because of you or i'm retiring because of you or i have heart problems because of you You right (laughs) blaming is endless um And the scapegoat is so handy, too, for the siblings because, okay, we're all relieved. If mom's mad just at this person. That means she's not mad at me. You know, sometimes we're happy to see that happen, and other times we're just relieved that it's not us. Mm-hmm. And then we have to deal with the guilt of feeling that way because, again, we're children. Right. So we feel like <laughs> a normal kid would, you know, like, Ugh. you know, thank <laughs> goodness it's not me. And then, you know, as you mature, you feel some guilt on having – let that person be thrown under the bus or sometimes even pushing them under. Right. So, you know, you don't have to deal with it. And then, you know, there's the mascot child that is kind of, you know, like the court jester and they're just trying to um, keep everybody entertained, keep it light, interrupt when there's tension between the family. And of course, we can always move to all these different roles like you identified due to age um, or circumstance. Uh, we can switch these roles within even a day, you know, Right. <laughs> your mood and the mom's mood. And so um, another role, and of course this role gets talked about often towards the end is the lost child. The lost child knows how to fade into the woodwork mm-hmm. and often we'll find another family system to hang out with. Mm-hmm. or get over-involved with a significant other when they're young, um, sometimes even marrying out of the family as quickly as possible so that they don't have to participate in this painful system.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's all super sad. I mean, and I think that um, when people don't realize that, you know, that, that inconsistency, especially if you're flip-flopping between those roles, that that just creates so much insecurity. Um, you mentioned something in here that I wanted to kind of touch on, which is, you know, your mom's narcissistic and it doesn't just happen around you. Like there's an influence on, on what you grow and develop into an adult. And we've mentioned that many times. Um, Does narcissism beget narcissism uh, all the time or do some children grow up and actually kind of take on, they call it an echoist, which is like the opposite of narcissists.
1: Yeah. So um, that's a big question because there's so many different reactions. So the echoism is very common. And I think most of us that grew up in a family system, a narcissistic family system, have a piece of that uh, where we've learned it's better to not say anything. It's better not to feel like I talked about before with not wanting to feel when your boundaries are violated mm-hmm. because it costs a lot to stand up for those boundaries. You might then become scapegoated or mocked or shunned, yep, um, yep. hit, you know? <laughs> yep. So there's a lot of reasons and good reasons why people develop echoism, it was a great way in that situation to survive, so we have to always respect that these things come out of survival needs Mm -hmm. and so later we might have this tendency and we have to have compassion for the tendency um, to say well of course I'm doing that because in the past that was the best way to deal with things, however right now when I'm trying to champion for a raise or I'm trying to raise my kid right it's not good for me to sit you know, set my instincts aside and try to fade into the woodwork. I need to show up, you know.
0: Yeah. Now I know from my own experiences that I I felt like I, sometimes I I feel both of those roles. You know, I, I definitely, I mean, let's be honest here, you know, when somebody decides that they're going to um, start a podcast, you know, that means that, you know, gosh, I I guess I feel I'm special enough to have something to say. Um, Yeah. And 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 you might be healthy narcissism. Right, right. The healthy narcissism. Yeah. But (laughs) then also I, I, and I'm dealing with it right now, which is the, you know, having spent a couple of years where I have, I've known if I just, Don't say anything, then, and I placate, you know, the situation here. That's how we will all survive it. And maybe my fingers are crossed, and it's that feeling of always wanting to do enough that maybe they'll notice you and love you for it. Um, And so it's, and that man, that teeter totter of living in that kind of life is just, uh, you know, it's unsettling. I mean, your stomach is falling out every other day because you're rising up to stand up for yourself and do something amazing. And then you're falling the next moment because you've got this personality around you that you're just, you're walking on eggshells with them and stuff. And
1: right. And that's dangerous for us in the workplace. And also with the um, partners we pick and the friendships we pick because we are good at handling narcissists having mm-hmm. grown up in this system. And so a lot of times people who can't succeed around a narcissist then distance themselves. Mm-hmm. But those who have grown up in these systems often know know how to get around a narcissist longer than somebody doesn't have that kind of informal training right and
0: so boot camp
1: yourself, yeah you find <laughs> yourself getting promoted by a narcissist and you know following along in their careers too mm-hmm. or getting recruited to be a friend by one of these people mm-hmm. um, and so you know, when we also go back to that initial question that you had about, you know, why is it important to know if you've had a narcissistic mother, it's because it affects your, your continued relationship and career and parent parenting choices moving forward.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, there's a couple of groups that I participate on on Facebook too, which are, you know, narcissistic survivors um, of narcissistic abuse right. and stuff like that. And, you know, I do see a common, you know, common thread throughout this where, Uh, You know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of feeling like they just spectated the whole event. And, you know, and like I said, I I ask these questions because I'm not into victim shaming and I, you know, always clarify, like, I've, I've, I'm going through this. I've gone through this myself. But part of healing was coming to this awareness of recognizing that there is, there is some attraction to the narcissistic personality. And I think that sometimes yes. when, when somebody doesn't have enough self-awareness, they don't understand that they feel like the, the narcissist picked them off the street like a mugger. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, like for lack of a better <laughs> metaphor here, but the reality is, is that there, there is something in us that, that drew us to it good or bad, um, which is that familiarity, you know, that that personality. And and so
1: of course there are some narcissists that will target people. Yeah. They're the malignant narcissists. Um, and they're aware of their narcissism and they are proud of it. You know, I've had narcissists say to me, well, if you had all of my assets and all of my,
0: (laughs) you were (laughs) smart as I was.
1: (laughs) Yes. You too would be a narcissist and I don't have a problem with it. So, you know, but there's people that don't realize what, you know what, system they're functioning out of, and they're just attracted to you, just like you're attracted to them out of um, familiarity, and you mm-hmm. don't even know
0: it. Yeah, um, so the parenting piece of all of this, which is if we're a parent, like, you know, and I am, and we detect in our children something that appears to be narcissistic, um, self centered, you know, manipulative, yeah. or anything like that, um, you know, what do we need to start? kind of checking, you know, is it in ourselves? I, you know, I guess this, you know, let me, let me say this again. Um, Accountability is an important piece for me. Um, And so if I am sitting here looking at a kid that is behaving in this way, um, you know, our our assumption or our reaction as a parent is that they, they need to be fixed. But is there any truth to maybe I need to be looking at what I might be doing that's making my child feel like they have to act out in this way? Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. So, um, you know, a good parent, I I always think a good parent's always asking, what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, what, what might I be doing wrong Uh, That that? Humbleness always leads to better parenting. It seems like. And, um, when we see a child acting out in a certain way, uh, if they're under 18, you know, we have to look at it as our responsibility to help teach them and to look at it as a skill deficit. Mm -hmm. So not to look at it as this, you know, strange birthed character problem, but to look at it as something that this person could be trained out of. And so empathy training is so important to avoid narcissistic behaviors, you know, trying to get that kid to imagine what it's like to have that treatment be done to them. Mm -hmm. um, If there's, if it's negative treatment or when people are, you know, when you're praising your child, to to praise them for the efforts they put into it instead of the accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the traits that you saw that were good, uh, that made that happen. So a good grade was, well, you know, you really helped support the teacher, you know, by Mm -hmm. listening and not interrupting in class. And then she was able to teach you. And, you know, there's also uh gratitude training. Mm-hmm. So we've got empathy and then the gratitude of well, what all contributed to this? I mean the fact that you and I can even talk on a podcast, you know, we have to humbly be grateful to the people way back when that were inventing, you know,
0: the world wide webs. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and this laptop I'm looking at. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: And it's hard to feel grateful sometimes when <laughs> <it's> open or <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, So, social media culture. I mean, everybody talks about narcissism now. That selfies are a sign that you've got narcissistic personality disorder, and you know, and all this other stuff. Um, You know, is there? Do we really have like a a splurge of narcissism happening? You know, around us. You know, or is some of this healthy and expected? You know, uh, you know that we should be like. Is it really weak emotional development, um, or you know, do we have an epidemic on our hands?
1: There certainly is an epidemic, and I don't know that it is um, simply contributing to narcissism. What I see that it contributes to most of all is anxiety. Mm-hmm. I just see a deep insecurity in people, um, more so than I saw 15 years ago. And it, these poor kids are coming in at 11, complaining about the video presence that their peer in high school or elementary school is able to maintain, they can twerk on video, but their mothers won't let them. And it's so sad, you know, it just, the whole thing is, um, it it makes the parents so much more challenged to develop a separate sense of character in the child more so and more early than ever before. Wow. So that's a, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I like, geez, this just got really hard. <laughs> you, know, I, it's, you know, I, I just, you know, after, Twenty plus years—it's so sad to see this difference in the, what the kid is talking to me about at, you know, at ten mm-hmm. than they used to. And so, um, does it increase narcissism to be taking pictures of oneself and, you know, having to document everything visually? Uh, that remains to be seen. It seems intuitively that that's the case, mm-hmm. but honestly, where I see it show up most in. Um, in my coaching and in my counseling practice Mm -hmm. is in anxiety and low self esteem.
0: Okay. What do you, what have you seen, you know, in these kids that are, are dealing with um, narcissism or narcissistic abuse? I, I know it varies because we've all got different experiences and stuff like that, but you know, what are some key things that, you know, mom or a parent might be doing that's kind of, you know, birthing or creating this anxiety, you know, for these kids.
1: Oh, great. Great question. So one, it's not reinforcing internal and external boundaries for the child. So boundary work with the child will help create a healthy psyche. And so explaining to the kid, you know, we're good at talking about external boundaries. Don't take candy from strangers you know that kind of thing <laughs> yeah. um, you know and thankfully you know if somebody is touching you inappropriately you know report this or that or tell mom or dad but our internal boundary work with our children is still weak we're not saying is this uh, teaching the child to say is this true for me and mm-hmm. is it true for my trusted others and uh, are these things consistent with my values and with my trusted others values like my parents and my family. And without this internal boundary, it's very hard for anyone to say, well, that's not okay for me. So we become very easily manipulated if we don't have strong internal boundaries. And I try to get um, people to picture a castle and you've got your interior castle where there's the court um, and, exterior where there's the grounds and then there's the protective wall around it and the moat and then we have the larger lands and when we get a comment or request we want to see that outside of our internal boundary way out beyond the moat Mm -hmm. and we want to decide is this safe for me to bring into the castle is this safe for me to consider is this true for me and it has to pass that boundary of your values before it comes in so if somebody says you're a jerk, you have to you have to go well, okay, who's saying it and why? does this person get a vote? Is this a trusted other and you know how to validate these things so they don't come in and um, affect the person so to protect somebody from developing reactive pathological patterns like narcissism. You want to build healthy self-esteem. And healthy self-esteem is reliant upon
0: value-based internal and external boundaries. Interesting. Um, And so you just made parenting super hard now. Um, (laughs) Um, So if you had a narcissistic mother and you were listening here going, man, this sounds like it. Um, When you're counseling somebody that's um, trying to deal with that, what are the first steps that somebody needs to take? You know, and start to to get them to a place of healing and recovery from this.
1: Uh, one is to uh, first to describe the behaviors, recognize the behaviors, start to see them as a pattern and um, detach from believing that it was something about you that caused these behaviors. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing to do is not to go to your family members and say, I think mom's a narcissist because you're going to get attacked mm-hmm. um, because nobody likes to say bad things about their mom. Right. And the label's not helpful often to the person. So if they were to hear it through another, then you're going to, Develop a angry uh defensive response, yep, and so that's my first thing is please don't go to everyone right away, and I think she's a narcissist and um or accuse her directly because you're not strong enough at that point to deal with the backlash,
0: mhm, yeah
1: it's really important to first protect yourself. So I guess my first response here is step one is self-protection and to get as much knowledge as you can about this and go on to different groups and blogs because the stories are so similar. They're going to make your spine tingle.
0: Right, right. And they're scary when you read that many stories and you're just like, wow, it it does feel like it's epidemic in nature that there's, and it's it's
1: all over the world because I'm coaching people from Australia and Germany. Germany and London and India (laughs) and the U S. So it's not like it's a small thing.
0: Right. Uh, Um, And
1: so protection first.
0: Okay. And sometimes that's um, emotional separation. And sometimes I think you said it's physical separation. It's,
1: Yes. And, um, you know, you can do that very compassionately. You don't have to make an announcement that I think you sucked as a mom and therefore I'm not going to be interacting with you. Mm -hmm. You can simply say, you know, I'm going through a lot right now and I need to take some space. I I would appreciate it. You know, if, uh, you just let me reach out next. Um, and to the extent that the, uh narcissist is pathological, they'll be able to endure that. So somebody more on the healthier side is going to be able to give you a week or two. Mm-hmm. Somebody who is pathological, manipulative, and um, very fragile is going to attack. Mm-hmm. And so if that you're way over there where the person would just attack you, it's important to literally, if you can, you know, take a vacation, go somewhere, do an intensive with a professional who can get you educated quickly. You know, do like a, a four to six hour workshop type setting where you just go and get educated and understand what's going on. Read as much as you can. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think, you know, and I wanted to, to you know, to say like, or, or ask, it, it seems like deciding that, you know, hey, this was my environment that I grew up with that, you know, Working it out with your mom right away, and I've heard this from other people. Like, well, what if they just say they're sorry, you know, if they just apologized for all of that? But you know, through my own therapeutic process, part of it was you no, know, you like you said, you have to protect yourself first. Like, you have to yeah. get everything about you. You know, you're not the child anymore. You're not the little kid in the house where you know maybe that collaborative therapy is necessary. Right you're now, the adult. You've you've inherited everything that you got. It's up to you to fix what you have, um, what you have broken that you need to to get repaired.
1: Yes. And that's reparenting the self. And, um, you know, like uh, how I like to think of it is that you, we all have parents that, um, had some failure with us and that's, you know, we have to have the acceptance of that because we're all human Mm -hmm. and the adult champion in us, uh, is very important to those inner children inside of us. You know, I think of, uh, our inner child, like our, for you and I, we have our little girl and our middle child and the teen. I think of it kind of as a minivan of inner children. <laughs> and the teen is kind of sassy and, you know, will tell people off. And the middle is about justice and wanting to fit in. And the youngest is about love and wanting so much just to give love and be loved. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's awesome to dialogue with those from your place of a functional adult, adult champion. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm thrilled, you know, that. When you're saying how you went through your process, and our, and we're always still going through our process. If we ever stop, then we're probably <laughs> falling into a little bit of narcissism, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I'm glad that you know you had that uh, protective feeling at first mm-hmm.
0: too. So you, you know, I started this off talking about your blog that you have, narcissisticmother.com, and your resources that you have that are just in, invaluable. And so I'd like for you to, um, to, to talk about what you do in terms of being able to help, um, narcissistic abuse survivors and families that are dealing with it, you know, be able to do this process of healing and recovery. Great. So
1: I'm a psychotherapist with a private practice in California. However, my work with narcissistic survivors is um, about coaching. So that is separate from the therapeutic process. So when I'm doing coaching, it is to augment if somebody is already um, doing a lot of reading, a lot of self-development, and or is also in therapy. The coaching process is about psychoeducation. This is a developmental issue. Uh that we need so much education about that it's important to, I, I think it's very helpful to have somebody that's teaching you very quickly on how to protect yourself and how to reparent yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is very didactic. That is, that is a conversation, much more of a coaching um, conversation than the therapeutic, uh, trying to resolve trauma and things like that. Wow. So there's two sides to recovering from uh, narcissistic abuse one is education and two is the psychological side effects that we have and so for the psychological side effects you know psychotherapy for things like trauma and all the different things that we did self-destructively to cope with having been raised in that narcissistic family system or being exposed to a narcissist um, you can deal with in that way, but it is greatly accelerated by learning from the specialists out there, um, about the specific ways in which narcissists act so that you can protect yourself and not imitate those behaviors by accident when you're under stress. Right.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, and I guess the, the biggest piece of one of the biggest values that I see in all of this is, you know, when we had talked a little bit offline about it is, I know from my own experiences that, you know, this attraction to the narcissistic personality wasn't just in romantic relationships, but also business relationships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this coaching allows you to say, listen, I these people are in my life. Yeah, they can't go away, you know, or they can and we can choose to. But if not every narcissist has to be kicked out of your life or can be kicked out of your life. Correct. You, know, you have to find a way to be able to engage and interact with them. And so I, I was like, wow, coaching is great for that. It allows you just to um, not boot them and run, but to learn how to thrive and survive with them in your, in your kind of gravitational pull that you have.
1: Right, and it doesn't mean that you can control them. Like some people... Uh especially those who are in romantic relationships with narcissists want to believe, you know, maybe there's a way that we can, you know, work through this mm-hmm. and stay in the relationship. Um, I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah. But when you're dealing with somebody that you have to work with, that's a narcissist or that you're choosing to work with because they're part of a team that you can't, you know, separate from then the day to day, Coaching is is so helpful because it just, you know, they're like, okay, they did this zinger. You know, this is a new one. I don't know how to respond to that effectively. And it helps to have a strategist where you can run things by and also do role plays and scripts and things so that you can prepare for the next round. Because Mm -hmm. fortunately, narcissists have very repetitive behavior.
0: Yes, they are predictable. That's one thing that you can count on. Well, and I wish, you know, uh, listening to this, you know, 10 years ago, this would have changed my life because... You know, I, you know, my unraveling, you know, one of my unraveling points was, was encountering narcissism in the business environment and not knowing, like we talked about here, why is it important to know that you had a, a narcissistic family, you know, kind of dynamic was that as I was engaging with this person, it it was drawing out old wounds that I didn't even know existed. And it was, you know, I was generating these, you know, um, automatic responses. I dug my heels in, I defended myself, you know, and, and then I found myself just caught up in a cycle of doing this for years. And, And you know what I mean? And it's like, I just was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, like,
1: it's I- almost a dissociative state where it's like you have a control panel that a narcissist formed when you were growing up. Mm-hmm. Another narcissist can go, oh, there's the panel. And, <laughs> in and just, you know, cue the responses.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you know, not knowing that that's what I was going through. I mean, it took seven, eight years to, you know, i sitting there going, wait a second. I had enough self-awareness to see that I was, you know, the same buttons were being pushed, the same results were happening. And I didn't want this to continue on, you know, any longer and stuff. Yeah. Um, so how can people reach you or reach out to you if they'd like to, um, to have you help them out with coaching?
1: Um, through narcissistic com, they can, uh, They can just email info at dot com. I'm editing a book right now that'll come out later in the year. So if somebody wants us to notify them of when that's out, you know, send us your information. Um, And there's also, as you know, there's the, the email, uh, uh, the mailings that are like weekly that come from the blog that are helpful and supportive because they're taking one topic at a time and talking about them. And it's a fun site because you can take a survey to There's a little humor <laughs> um, in some of the the posts. And so it's a great resource. And then it leads you to the the comments on there. People are talking about other resources that they found. So often I'm finding more resources about the narcissistic abuse recovery Community through mm-hmm. the very comments of other uh, people that are survivors that are commenting on the blog
0: right right, yeah, and that's where I you know I started to to reach out as well too just to to not only um, you know not to be involved in a bunch of pity parties but because that's not my deal, but to also say you know hoping to be able to reach out and share those experiences with other people, especially from a point of encouragement um, you know when you're in that narcissistic abusive state you know, sometimes, you know, no matter how resilient you feel like you grew up being, it still wears you down, you know, and, and, um, and finding out and, you know, and I think that sometimes a, a a survivor or somebody who's going through the abuse, you know, it it can conflict with your, your own sense of self intelligence of like, I should be smart enough to not be here. Like, how am I, why am I in this state? And that has nothing to do with your IQ, (laughs) you know, Um, it, it, it goes back. So Um, Michelle, I, I know that you were really busy and that's why I'm just so grateful that you were able to find the time to, to sit down and and do this with me. And, um, I think this is going to help so many people out there. And so I'm, I'm super appreciative of you, of you being on the show with me today. Oh,
1: and thank you for your work. You know, as I've said before, I appreciate your approach of not shaming the mom and not shaming the victim, you know? And I prefer of course call the person a survivor because... (laughs) Having been one, I like to say I've survived. <laughs> right,
0: right. Yes, definitely, definitely. Well, you have a fantastic day. And um, and again, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to One Broken Mom. You can find podcast notes on my website at amiequericoni.com. And there I'll provide all links to all of the resources that we mentioned on the episode. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for other episodes, feel free to send me an email. And if you are interested in sponsoring the show, I'd love to have you be a part of the team. Finally, if you like what you hear, please share the podcast and leave a review so that others can find it. We are all here to get better together. I am the host, Amit Carconi, and as always, I am super grateful to have you as a listener. Until next time, have a great day.